Hazard Audio. We've got your NCAA tournament recap with the Tweet Zone and Sports Madness on deck and the continuing Major League Baseball American League preview right here. Recorded live at the Launchpad Studios in Chicago, Sports Appeal. This is going to be a home run. I just know it because I can see into the future. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. All right, welcome to Sports Appeal. We're your regular hosts. I'm Steve Gross. And I'm Matt Axelrod. You can find us every single week right here on podbean.com. You can also find us a lot of different ways. Find us on iTunes and subscribe to us there. You can get us on Spreaker.com, the Rivet News Radio app, the SportsMecca.com, WGTRadio.com, the Stitcher Radio app. There are so many ways to tune in. We'd love for you guys to tweet at us. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Appeal. All of our music is provided by Full Service, our studio band. You can find all their music on iTunes and Spotify. And as always, we're produced by Johnny Five and powered by Hazard Audio. This week, we'll start with the Final Four. The games were last night. Championship game will be tomorrow, but this will probably be posted around the same time as the game. But let's talk about the Final Four games. Let's start with Michigan State and Duke, with Duke just absolutely blowing away Michigan State in the second half. Yeah, I can't say I'm too surprised. I mean, Duke really was the better team. Michigan State just does not have – they probably don't have any NBA-ready athletes on their team. They got a couple guys that might get drafted later in the first round or in the second round. But it would be a pretty big coup for any of those guys to really make and stick on an NBA roster. Whereas Duke has several guys who are probably going to go to the NBA. Jalil Okafor, for sure, he's been forecasted as the number one or number two overall pick. Justice Winslow is almost certainly going to the NBA. So it's just not a shock, especially with that good of a coach. Duke was by far the better team. Michigan State came out right away and hit four three-pointers. And from that point forward, it was clear who the better team was. Yeah, I was so excited when Michigan State got up, I want to say 16-8, to which was the biggest deficit that Duke had had the entire tournament. I was like, yeah, maybe there's a chance. Just let that defense, you know, kick in and ride it out because that's a pretty significant lead. No, it was gone in another, like, three minutes. Well, the defense did kick in for Duke. Yeah. Their defense was unbelievable. They had nine steals. That Duke defense was just smothering. And not even just the steals. State couldn't get anything going towards the basket at all. They were all relegated towards outside shots. Every once in a while, there'd be a defensive breakdown, and it would lead to an easy bucket. But even sometimes when Michigan State would get inside for an easy bucket close to the basket, they'd be so shocked they were in there, they'd muff the layup. Yeah, you're right about that, because Michigan State did take 20 three-pointers, which is a lot for a college basketball game. They shot pretty decent, 35% from back there. But you're right, they were not getting easy buckets. Duke was just, they were tearing them apart inside. And Okafor down low was abusing their big guys, Costello and Dawson and Schilling. They had no prayer against Okafor. Yeah, I mean, and that was to be expected. They knew that going in. Their only real hope with Okafor was to get him in foul trouble, and it didn't happen. Denzel Valentine had a nice game for Michigan State, and I think he's probably going to be their best pro, if you ask me. You asked me a couple weeks ago who I thought their best player was, and I said it's him by far. Yeah, and Travis Trice might make it as a, a backup point guard in the NBA. He's nice and quick. He's got some crafty moves, and he's got a pretty good shot. But you're not expecting him to be like the starter on an NBA team. That no. would be shocking if that happened. Yeah, absolutely not. Whereas with Duke, you see Okafor, Justice Winslow, Titus Jones, all those guys will probably be pretty impactful in the NBA. I think Quinn Cook's going to have a decent career. I don't think he's going to be a regular starter, but I think all those guys are going to be really good pros. 
Let's move on to the other matchup, Wisconsin. You mean the one that was actually a good game? Yeah. Let's... Yes, the one that was actually a good game. <laughs> let's do that. That was a great game, too. I mean, down to the wire, great plays from both teams, back and forth all the way up to the end. You really can't ask for much more out of a college game. Absolutely not. And Frank Kaminsky did not disappoint. He had a double-double, 20 points and 11 rebounds. Sam Decker started the game out hot, disappeared for a long stretch, and then the second part of the second half came back with a vengeance and was just started making ridiculous dribble drive layups and a couple of jumpers. The Badgers on the whole kind of disappeared for a while there. Yeah. Kentucky was up by four points with three or four minutes left to go, and it looked like they were on a roll. The Badgers hadn't scored a field goal in like five minutes or something like that. They had a long drought, and Kentucky looked like it was taking over, and then all of a sudden it went the other way. And they just completely shut him down, didn't give up another point. The thing that was shocking to me was I had heard some analysts say that for as tall and long as Kentucky is, you can get rebounds against them. So I was keeping my eye on the rebounding stat. Wisconsin out-rebounded Kentucky by 12. 34 to 22. That is a massive discrepancy. It really is. Especially for a team that has five guys that are 6'10 or taller with Kentucky. It's That's ridiculous. How could they not get more rebounds? Just watching the game, they're kind of soft. You had guys like Sam Decker, 6'9", going in there getting boards. Nigel Hayes, who plays power forward at, I think he's 6'6", 6'7". He was in there getting rebounds, too. I was shocked. I could not believe at how easily Wisconsin was getting rebounds. Yeah, other than Kaminsky, I mean, you've got a bunch of guys getting like four or five rebounds in the game. Kentucky had one guy with nine, guy with five, and nobody else had more than three. It was just really a team rebounding effort for the Badgers. Seems pretty clear they went in there saying, if we are going to win this, we need to control the glass. We need to clean up on the glass and maintain possessions and steal possessions from them. And that's what they did. Absolutely. And for the first time in a really long time, I'm legitimately excited for this finals matchup to watch Duke versus Wisconsin. It's going to be an awesome game. Unfortunately, we're not going to be able to talk about it you know, right away on the podcast, but... I can't wait to watch. It's going to be awesome. It should definitely be a good game. Two very good teams. I like rooting for both these teams. Kentucky is like the evil empire with how good they've been the last almost decade. So Duke is, you know, up there too, but at least they haven't had quite the same amount of recent success that Kentucky has had. Yeah, Duke is really easy to hate as well. And all the kids on Wisconsin are super easy to like. So I'm sure there's going to be a massive public support for the Wisconsin Badgers. Guys, we had a great time tweeting with you during the Final Four. We're going to try to tweet during the championship game as well. So hit us up on Twitter at The Sports Appeal. And here's Johnny Five right now for the Tweet Zone. Tweet Zone. Hit the tweets. Yeah. All right. This is coming from Aaron M120. Do you think that MLB preseason will be reflective of the coming months? Too early to call a World Series contender? Well, by preseason, I think you mean spring training. Do I think it's a good indicator of the coming months? I'm going to say no. Yeah, you got to go with no. I mean, like, spring training, teams are doing whatever to figure out. They're trying to figure out who's going to make rosters and what they have in players that normally wouldn't get to play against, like, frontline starters but have this rare opportunity to. So you can't judge teams by, by what their records are in spring training. You can judge a little bit individual players, but even that is so fluky. So, I mean... You've got guys who just come up and kill it during spring training and then are terrible when they actually see a regular season roster. And then the, the reverse happens too. So, no, you can't really call anything based on a preseason. Yeah, you're totally right about that. Training. You're totally right about that. And the second half of this question, is it too early to call a World Series contender? I don't know if it's too early to call it like an actual contender. Um, I think there are you a could, few. Like you could definitely say that there are certain teams who are not contenders at this point of the year. 
I think you can narrow it down to 12 to 15 teams who are going to be good this year. Yeah, absolutely. All righty, on for our next one's coming from uh, The Real Yost. Gino Oriema put the men's NCAA basketball game on blast this week, calling it poor entertainment. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? All right, a tweet from one of our fill-in hosts, Matt Yost. Yeah, Gino Oriema this week was saying that the men's college basketball is a terrible product and it's in a really bad place right now. There's been a lot of talk about that during this tournament, but I think the tournament has still been pretty awesome. It really has just been very compelling, very exciting basketball. Now, there's one suggestion that I would think they could entertain, which is maybe shortening the shot clock. It does seem like the shot clock is a little long, but other than that, what's wrong with defense? And that suggestion does seem to have a lot of support behind it. But for Gino Oriemenis, I mean, he says this every year, it seems like. He's the UConn women's coach. Every year, it seems like he comes out with a quote about how the men's game just isn't that great. This time, he did say that the women's game is even worse than the men's game, which I don't know why you would say that. (laughs) They're really hurting for fans, and for him to come out and say that publicly just seems like a huge misstep. But I think college basketball is better than the pros, as we talked about last week. Could it be better? Probably. But I think it's still in a really good place. Alrighty, from UC Renegade. Did you see Bleacher Report did a piece on if the Bulls should trade Rose after I already said it? Yeah, we did see that. And I think the Bulls should entertain the idea of trading Rose because he really hasn't lived up to his contract that they'd offered him. But it's just not realistic. I mean, what are you going to get for him? You're not going to get anything of value for him. And with the NBA salary cap restrictions, you pretty much have to bring back someone on a similar contract or multiple players on contracts to add up to around the same total. And that's just not going to happen. I totally agree with everything you just said, that they should think about it. If I were the Bulls, I'd say, you know, this guy is not worth the money that we're paying him. We probably need to give Jimmy Butler a max contract at this point. So what can we do with him? But like you said, who's going to be willing to take on Derrick Rose's salary when you don't even know what kind of player he's going to be when he comes back? Right. And I do think there is still definitely a question mark. I saw enough from him this year to know that his athleticism is still with him. The question is, can his joints withstand the beating of the NBA? Did he just have essentially two fluke injuries? Because the injury this year was just a re-aggravation of his old injury. Now they shaved off part of the meniscus. So hopefully that should solve the problem. So it's really basically two fluke injuries. Or is he just injury prone? Really, it could go either way. And at this point, it's looking more likely like he's injury prone. I still think there's probably a good 30 or 40% chance that he does come back from this. And he does regain, you know, not MVP level play. But he does come back and become a perennial all-star. I think there's still a small question about his psyche, too. Because you could see this year he was hesitant to drive the lane. He was hesitant to really make these super athletic plays. So after another injury, I want to see what kind of state of mind he's in when he comes back. You're here listening to Sports Appeal with your hosts, Steve and Matt. When we come back, we'll be talking about Major League Baseball with our American League preview. Hey guys, it's Steve here. I know a lot of you have been wanting to try out DraftKings.com. Now is the perfect chance to do that. Fancy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com, America's favorite place to play daily fantasy sports. Daily fantasy means no season-long commitments. You just play whenever you want. Pick your sport, draft your team. It's like a new season every time you play, so you're never stuck with the same players. Last year, $300 million were won at DraftKings.com, and you could be the next to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Welcome back. 
Welcome back to Sports Appeal. I'm Steve. And I'm Matt. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball right now. Last week, we did a National League preview. This week, we're going to talk about every division in the American League. Start with the American League East, where the Orioles took the division last year, followed by the Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays, and the Red Sox at the very bottom. Matt, what are you looking at in this division this year? I mean, the Orioles should be very good again. They did just lose their best hitter, Nelson Cruz, who hit 40 home runs last year. He went to the Mariners in free agency. They've still got some good hitters, and they had the seventh-best combined ERA in the league last year at 3.43. And it looks like nobody on the pitching staff was overwhelmingly good, besides their closer, Zach Britton, who had a 1.65 ERA in 76 innings pitched, which is really fantastic. But other than that, they just have a really solid all-around pitching staff. I think you kind of nailed it here. The thing that worries me with this pitching staff is what you said about how none of them were really that great last year. All these guys' ERAs were between... 323 and 365. So they're all like the same exact pitcher. They don't really have a true ace. Uh, a lot of these guys are probably number two, number three, number four starters. So, I mean, they do have five solid starting pitchers with Kevin Gaussman being the wild card. He's only 24 years old. He's, a lot of people have tabbed him as a breakout candidate this year. So we'll see what he can do. But I'm really not that sold on any of these pitchers. As long as they can keep up their numbers from last year, I think they'll be fine. But also the Orioles lost their home run leader and their RBI leader, Nelson Cruz, as you just mentioned. And their OBP leader, Nick Markakis, also left the team. Speaking of the pitching staff, over the offseason, I was looking at their offseason transactions they signed a ton of pitchers to one-year deals. So it looks like they're just bringing in guys, hoping someone, you know, one of these guys who's bounced around the league can break out. The Cubs have had success with that. I know a lot of teams have had success with that. You never know when someone's going to give you a good year just out of nowhere. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll have Manny Machado back healthy, one of the best young players in the game. I can't wait to watch him play. I love Manny Machado. And they still have Adam Jones. They still have Matt Wieters, who's decent. He only played, I think, like 25 games last year, but he's pretty good. They got Steve Pierce. He had over 20 homers last year. They just extended him over the offseason. Yeah, so the Orioles should be pretty decent. I don't Um, know if their 96 wins good again, but yeah, they should be pretty good. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they'll be over 500, but less than 96 wins, somewhere in there. This is an interesting division. This used to be the best division in baseball. Now it's just kind of a bunch of middling teams. I'm looking at the Yankees as a team who could potentially be good, but potentially could be a 500 team. Same with the Blue Jays. I think the Red Sox are going to be pretty good. I have questions about their pitching staff, though. I agree. I agree with all that. The Rays might bounce back again this year. It might be hard with Joe Madden. But, I mean, in 2013, they did have a 91-71 and 71 record. And then they just severely underperformed this past season at 77-85. and 85. So they still do have talent. I mean, they've got Ben Zobris. They've got Evan Longoria and James Loney. They have some pretty good hitters. Uh, they've got a pretty good pitching staff. Did all right last year. They have a pretty good closer in Jake McGee, who had 21 saves last year with a 1.89 ERA. Other teams, like we were talking about, the Yankees, I honestly, I just don't think they're that good this year. They've got a bunch of, like, pretty good offensive players. No real game changers. I mean, you're not looking at Ellsbury, Gardner, or McCann to just blow your socks off. And then Tanaka is pretty good, but otherwise it's a pretty underwhelming pitching staff. Well, last year Pineda's ERA was 1.89. He only pitched in 13 games, but it's still really good ERA. If Sabathia can get back into form, he puts some weight back on. Everybody knows he's better fat. He's like Jonah Hill. He's better when he's fat. <laughs> yeah, they got Nathan Evaldi in a trade this year, which he's a 25-year-old kid. Uh, he was fourth in Major League Baseball on average fastball velocity last year. He has four really good pitches, so I'll be interested to see how he does this year. So I think their pitching staff is pretty decent. They signed Andrew Miller for the bullpen. Their closer, Dylan Batances, is turning into one of the best closers in the game. 
I think the Yankees have a shot at being a good team this year. And this division doesn't look like it's going to be that overwhelming anymore either. So it wouldn't surprise me if they end up taking it. But I just don't see anybody that's that impressive on this team. In the American League East, you know what? I'm going to take the Yankees to win the division, I think. Baltimore is going to be good. I think Boston's going to be good, although I'm not sold on the pitching staff whatsoever. So I'll go Yankees, Baltimore, Boston, Toronto, who just lost Marcus Stroman for the season, which is a real bummer because he was looking really strong, and then Tampa Bay. I think the Blue Jays are going to be a little better than you seem to think because they did just acquire Josh Donaldson, who's coming off of an incredible season. So, I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to keep that up, but he just had a great season last year, 7.4 wins above replacement which is a ridiculous stat. They do have a lot of power with Jose Bautista, Josh Donaldson, and Encarnacion, but we'll see what happens with those guys. Encarnacion's kind of old. Josh Donaldson, he had a, one good year. We'll see what happens. Right. All right, so let's move on to the American League Central, which to me is might be the most intriguing division in all of baseball this year. Yeah, last year we had the Tigers winning the division, followed by the Royals, who went to the World Series, and the Indians, White Sox, and Twins. The most interesting team here to see what they do is the White Sox. I don't know if they're going to be the best team in the division, but they just made so many offseason moves. They got Jose Abreu, who was just phenomenal last year. He led the team in batting average, home runs, RBIs, on-base percentage, and hits with a three seventeen batting average and 36 home runs. They've got an incredible young player. And then their pitching staff this year should be pretty stacked with Chris Sale, Quintana, Jeff Samarja, John Danks. And they had a really big offseason, including trading for Jeff Samarja. They extended Adam Eaton, who's another one of the really good players, for five years. They signed Melky Cabrera, and they signed a closer, David Robertson. If all those parts mesh, which is always a big if when you have a big offseason like that, they could be looking at a very, very talented team. They could be looking at a really talented team. And I agree with you on Abreu. I think he's awesome. He's my pick for AL MVP this year. It's a I, very good chance. Yeah, I think he's really awesome. They also signed Adam LaRoche, who can fill in at DH and do some good things. They're going to be an intriguing team. But I disagree with you that they're going to be the most interesting team in this division. i got to go with Cleveland. They have Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber coming back. Carlos Carrasco, who had a, a phenomenal year last year. Back into the rotation is my one question mark with them. But they have a lot of good young hitters, too. Michael Brantley is awesome. Lonnie Chisenhall is really good. This is a really good team. Yeah, now Michael Brantley last year, he batted three twenty seven with 20 homers, 23 stolen bases, and only 56 strikeouts. But that was by far the best season of his young career. It's only 27. The question is, can he repeat that kind of success? Right, that is the question. And that's the question with Corey Kluber as well, who just signed a big deal this week. So we'll see if he can continue his success from last year. But yeah, they absolutely have some good hitters. John Gomez is a good hitter. He hit, I think, 20 home runs last year. They've got the ghost of Michael Bourne in center field. We'll see if he can <laughs> if he can do anything. But this team, to me, is the most interesting to see what they can do. Sports Illustrated picked them to win the World Series this year. Really? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if I agree with that, but I think they'll be very good. Yeah, I don't agree with that either. I think that prediction, it may even be more ridiculous than your prediction that the Cubs <laughs> are going to win 90 games this year. Oh, my prediction is so good. I'm looking forward to shaving the rest of your hair off your bald head at the end of this season. Whatever, man. I know you're going to opening day tonight to see the Cubs. They're going to lose to the Cardinals day one and give me a significant advantage in this thing. All right, let's move on to the rest of the AL Central because we still got the Tigers and the Royals to talk about. I don't think we need to talk about the Twins very much. The Royals, I think, are probably going to take a step back this year. Yes. They just lost James Shields, who didn't have a great regular season for them, but he's still a pretty good pitcher. He's also getting older, so that might not hurt them too much losing him. In general, it seemed like everything kind of broke the right way for them last season, and I don't know how likely that is to happen again. 
Yeah, you know, their pitching staff is okay. Danny Duffy, Edison Volquez, who they just got from Pittsburgh, Jason Vargas, Jeremy Guthrie, uh, Jordano Ventura. They have a pretty decent rotation, and they have a lot of good contact hitters, not yeah. a lot of power hitters. They have a lights-out bullpen, so yeah. they have that going for them. Yep. But those guys also might kind of regress to the mean this year. And the Tigers still have David Price as their ace, who he's awesome every year. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez is really good, and they just got Shane Green from the Yankees, who I fell in love with him when he was pitching with the Yankees. I think he's pretty good, too. Now, their pitching on the whole was pretty underwhelming outside of a couple really good pitchers. They had a 4.01 collective ERA last year, which is pretty low-ranked as far as the league goes. They also lost Max Scherzer, and Verlander had a bad year last year, ERA of 4.54. Not sure if he's ever going to return or if he's just over the hill now. He's 31, which isn't too old. Yeah, I saw a stat about his fastball velocity, the number of pitches that he, I think it was number of pitches he threw above 95 miles per hour, but it's sharply declined in the last two years. So he's not the pitcher that he used to be. I think he's starting the season on the DL anyway. And then they have three guys that batted over 300 last year in Victor Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, and J.D. Martinez, and they were all 20-plus homer guys. So they've got the offense working for them. They do, and they just got Suspedes in the offseason. They have Ian Kinsler. They do have some bats on that team. So that's, this is going to be a really interesting division. Yeah, and there is one thing that I wanted to mention about the Twins. They just signed Irvin Santana to a four-year, $55 million deal this offseason, which I thought was a little funny to learn. That's the richest deal in club history. $55 they've, million is? Yeah, they've never signed anyone <laughs> to a deal worth $55 million before. Big spenders this offseason. They were going to struggle to begin with, but that doesn't help any for them. They're losing him for 80 games now. Yeah, I mean, they have Phil Hughes, who was good last year, but as a Yankees fan, I know all about Phil Hughes. He's going to fall apart. Joe Maurer, he's always good, so we'll see what happens with him, too. But yeah, Santana getting suspended for 80 games. I thought that was interesting. He takes steroids, gets suspended for 80 games. Josh Hamilton uses cocaine and gets suspended for zero games. Yeah, so. <laughs> that was that was really interesting. The arbitrator saying they couldn't punish Santana. The league and even the president of the team apparently wanted to. An arbitrator said that they weren't allowed to. With that, let's wrap up the AL Central. What's your prediction? I've got the Tigers winning the AL Central again, followed by the Indians. I think they'll both be 90-plus win teams. The Royals probably about 85 wins. White Sox probably right around 85 or 90 wins as well. Then the Twins. So you have four teams in this division winning 85 games or more? I do, yeah. I think it's a very good division this year. Yeah, I think it's a good division too, but they play each other all year. I don't know how you can have four teams with 85 wins. It doesn't seem possible to me. Anyway, I'll go with the Tigers first as well, followed by the Indians, White Sox, Royals, Twins. All right, we got to take a break. We just cover the AL East and AL Central, and when we come back, we're going to get into the AL West and Sports Madness. Fantasy sports fans are winning huge cash prizes every day at DraftKings.com. Last year, $300 million were won, and you could be the next to win big. Go to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code HAZARD to play for free. That's HAZARD for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Sports Appeal. You can find us every single week right here on Podbean.com. Don't forget to go to iTunes and check us out. Subscribe on there. Leave us a review. Rate us five stars. It really helps us when you guys do that. And don't forget to tweet at us on Twitter at the Sports Appeal. We love interacting with you guys, so hit us up there. We just wrapped up the AL East and the AL Central. Let's keep moving with our American League preview, and we'll talk about the AL West right now. Let's start with the LA Angels. Strong pitching staff, really good hitters. This is a good team. 
Yeah, they're a very good team. There's not a whole lot to say about them. They got Mike Trout, who's maybe the best player in all of baseball. Albert Pujols is still doing some good things. Howie Kendrick, Eric Ibar, and Josh Hamilton. You got a really good team there with a great offense. Yeah, Mike Trout won the MVP last year despite career lows in hits, batting average, OBP, <laughs> OPS, OPS+, and stolen bases. It's ridiculous. He is ridiculous. He's so good. Uh, so yeah, the Angels are really good. The Athletics were decent last year. They had 88 wins. It's all about pitching for them. It really is. They lost Josh Donaldson to a postseason trade. So I'm trying to restock their farm system a bit, I bet. He was their best offensive player. They also traded Jeff Samarja and let John Lester walk. Uh, they traded Ioannis Cespedes midseason last year, and they traded their top prospect, Addison Russell, who was probably going to be called up either this season or next season, to the Cubs. So it looks like, I mean, their farm system is now depleted. On the whole, their major league team is depleted. I think they're going to take a big step back this year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think their rotation, they have a lot of good young arms and Scott Casimir. <laughs> <laughs> but their best hitters are like Ike Davis and Billy Butler. They don't really do anything to blow you away. Do we agree that the Angels are going to win this division? Yeah, definitely. I think the Mariners are going to be good, too. Agreed, yeah. They've, they've got Robinson Cano. He gives you 314 batting average and 14 homers from second base. Nothing to sneeze at. And Kyle Seager's pretty good, too. Great pitching staff all around, led by Felix Hernandez with a 2.14 ERA. And they signed Nelson Cruz in the offseason. So they shored up their weak point, which is offense, and should still have excellent pitching. They could make some noise, but I still think the Angels are just so stacked. Yeah, I agree. I'll be interested to see what Nelson Cruz can do. He hit 40 home runs last year, but he's not going to do that at Safeco. That's a huge ballpark. Robinson Cano can tell him all about that with his 14 home runs last year. But they have Dustin Ackley, Austin Jackson, and Seth Smith in their outfield, which those are three really good players. They're all real solid. There's been a lot of buzz around James Paxton, their number two starter lately. I don't know. I, th- I think he's too inconsistent. He's had a couple injuries, pretty much only played in the second half last year, August and September. So we'll see what happens with him, but I'm not completely sold on him. I think the Astros have a lot of young talent. But They're probably a year or two away still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have George Springer, who's really good. Jose Altuve with a, uh, had a breakout season last year. He stole 56 bases and hit 341. Yeah, that's a crazy good batting average. Absolutely. And they acquired Luis Valbuena and Dan Straley from the Cubs in a trade in the offseason for Dexter Fowler, which is really a, a pretty good trade for both teams because Luis Valbuena is a pretty good third baseman, and Dan Straley could be a nice bullpen arm for them then the Rangers are just going to be pretty dreadful, most likely. Yeah, Prince Fielder, Shin Chu, Elvis Andrus, Adrian Beltre, probably their best players. You Darvish got hurt. He needs Tommy John surgery now after one inning pitched in spring training. So an overall bad pitching staff just got worse. Yeah, all right, so let's wrap this up. I think Angels first, followed by Mariners, and then I'm going to say the Astros actually come in third, and then Athletics and Rangers. Sports Madness! Let's go! Sports Madness! Okay, first story we got in Sports Madness. You will not be able to miss new Cubs skipper Joe Madden after a victory at home. He's getting his 72 Chevelle tricked out in Cubs blue with a white interior and red inlays in the seats. The trunk is going to be carpeted in red and have a 1908 logo. So he's really buying into this whole Cubs thing. I think that's awesome. I want the coach for my teams to do that. I really want them to get into the whole spirit of the team. And the Cubs are the perfect team to do this with. 
This is why I keep saying that Joe Ben's a perfect fit for the Cubs. He just he's gonna fit in great in Wrigleyville. He really is. I'm looking forward to this season so much. Anytime that man talks, it's just like I'm not just stoked that he's the Cubs manager. It's like I want to be his friend. <laughs> he's just got that kind of personality. Let's get this on paper right now. Do you have a man crush on Joe Madden? I've got a man crush on Joe Madden. <laughs> oh my god, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Moving on, speaking of man crushes, this story is about Carmelo Anthony, who we know is my favorite basketball player. He refuses to sit on the bench during games. Uh, he just he had surgery on his knee. He doesn't like to go to the games and sit on the bench because he's afraid that a player diving for a ball is going to crash into him and injure him even further. Are you kidding me? I mean, like, it's kind of a legitimate concern that shit no, does isn't. happen. But, yeah, you just don't do that. I don't think that's his real reason. I think he just knows most of these guys aren't going to be on the team next year and doesn't really care this year. Exactly, yeah. He's written off this season. He's written off a lot of his teammates here. Alexei Shved is becoming, like, a star for this team. It's ridiculous. I don't want to go to the games. I don't blame Mello for not wanting to go to the games. But he can't say this. That's ridiculous. Now, to be fair, though, like, those are some big fucking guys coming and crashing into people on the sidelines. If I thought that that was his real concern, I would kind of understand, but I I don't buy it. They crash into 70-year-old ladies and they're fine. Let's let's move on. (laughs) All right. Our last story in Sports Madness is probably my favorite, even more than the Joe Madden story. Rob Gronkowski was asked if he was worried about concussions because later in life, you know, if you have a lot of concussions, a lot of times later in life, these guys aren't able to remember things. They lose chunks of their memory. And his response was, he's not worried about remembering things later in life because that happens all the time. I don't even know how I got to my hotel last night. Classic Gronkowski right here. That is the most Gronkowski thing that ever Gronked. And the question was, would you rather have a blown out knee or a concussion? And he said, concussion every day of the week. So if you have a blown out knee, you're just sitting there watching the game. If you have a concussion, you can play through it. So what if you don't remember it? Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yo soy fiesta. That's it for Sports Appeal. I'm Matt. That's Steve. We're produced, as always, by Johnny5, powered by Hazard Audio. Tweet at us at the Sports Appeal. You can find us on Podbean.com, iTunes, Rivet News Radio, SportsMecca.com, WGT Radio, the Stitcher app. There's so many ways to listen to us. The song playing us out will be Blasted Lands by Full Service. Running through the blasted lands alone.
Hazard Audio.